Welcome to episode 68 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. This is also the final episode in the atrocious August series of horror-related, ghostly, and generally ghastly episodes. Though this episode is definitely not ghastly, it's actually quite wonderful. I'm excited to bring you, the loyal Bobcast listener, this episode. This one is rad, due to the guest of this episode, and that guest is Carolyn Morissette. Now, who is Carolyn Morissette, you may be asking? Let me tell you a little bit about who Carolyn is, what she does, and how I was introduced to her before we get to the actual episode itself and my interview with Carolyn. Carolyn is the founder of something called View from the Dark, and that is a website that is devoted to reviews and essays on genre film from a woman of color perspective. And I did steal the last part of the description that I just read to you from the View from the Dark website. Carolyn is also a contributing reviewer and blog writer for Rue Morgue magazine, which is one of my absolute favorite horror magazines. Actually, I I am going to say, I think Rue Morgue is my favorite horror magazine. There's another magazine that's kind of horror related. It's kind of horror and sci-fi called Scary Monsters. That's kind of a whole different realm of horror that Scary Monsters covers this kind of scary monsters goes back and covers a lot of stuff from like the 50s 60s kind of your saturday afternoon family film festival type of horror stuff which is rad and they cover other things too but rue morgue covers a lot more of kind of what's going on with today's horror community that type of thing carolyn is also a rotten tomatoes certified film critic and a member of the african-american film critic association Carolyn is the co-host of a podcast called Really Melanated, which, in the words of the host themselves, is your two favorite horror aunties exchanging ideas about the films they love. The last thing I'm going to mention about Carolyn and her various accomplishments, the things that she does, her outlets, she is a programmer for Toronto, Ontario, Canada's premier horror, genre, and underground film festival, the Blood in the Snow Festival. Yes. She actually just took on a new position very recently with the Blood in the Snow Festival. So a very hearty post-interview that I did with you, Carolyn. That is, by the way, congratulations to you for that. Carolyn is very prolific. She does a lot of really great and different things. Usually horror is involved in some way. So how did Carolyn end up on a Bobcast episode? You may be asking yourself that, too. It's kind of an interesting story, let me tell you. Okay, great. Not too long ago, I reached out to Andrea Subasati, the executive editor of Rue Morgue magazine, which I've already stated is my favorite horror magazine, right? I wanted to do a Bobcast episode with Andrea as part of a kind of a larger shift in coverage that I'm doing, that is to talk to people who may not be getting the coverage that I feel they deserve. Women that are involved in horror, specifically, I feel are marginalized within the horror community. Andrea's gnarly, just like Carolyn. Andrea's a published author. She's the executive editor of the best goddamn horror magazine in the world. She's a sociologist, a podcast host, on and on and on. Very incredible person. I do feel like she may not be getting the coverage that she deserves, maybe the notoriety that she deserves, Because she is a woman, and her voice in the horror community is not as loud and as present as the white males, right? And that is so, so fucked up. I don't think it's right. I think it's getting better 
within the horror community as it is, as far as the role of women and how well their voices are heard, that type of thing, definitely getting better. But there are still issues with that, I believe. And there's always those fucking, those assholes on social media that's talking all kinds of stupid shit. Oh, God. I hate social media. I hate it so much. So I guess my whole point is, really, there is a whole group of people that would disagree with my desire to see more voices in horror that are not cis white men, okay? Black people, indigenous people, people of color, women, people from the LGBTQ community, just like in the DIY punk community, those voices are not heard as often or as loudly as I feel they should be within the horror community. That brings us to Carolyn. Using kind of my desire and criteria of getting more voices on the Bobcast from what may be considered like a marginalized group, that group being women in horror, I, I reached out to Andrea and said, hey, would you do a Bobcast episode with me? She said, no, I'm really busy. I can't. I'd love to. Thank you for the offer. Very gracious and kind. But she said, why don't you reach out to Carolyn Morissette? Because under the criteria that you're listing, I kind of went through that whole thing and said, look, this is why I want to talk to you about your role in horror and how I feel it's slightly marginalized, that kind of thing. She said, well, here's Carolyn Morissette. And I read the email and, and she told me a little bit about Carolyn. And I was like, oh, wow. Yes, absolutely perfect. Carolyn and I have very similar tastes in movies, books, all things sci-fi and horror. We also both share a desire to see more marginalized voices in horror and everything else be more front and center and heard. So it's perfect. This episode worked out so much better than I could have hoped. And that's not a diss at Andrea either. Even though it sounds like it, it really, really isn't because I'd still love to do an episode with her. And P.S. Andrea, if you're listening, I would still love to do a Bobcast episode with you when you're available and not as busy, which is probably never. But hopefully we can work something out. And thank you very, very much. I really do appreciate it, Andrea, for you referring Carolyn to me because Carolyn is amazing. Coming up in a couple minutes is going to be the talk that Carolyn and I had, and you're going to get to know her quite a bit better. Before that, though, let me say this. This episode is brought to you by the finest of the finest fashion fabricators, Discount Cemetery. We are also going to hear a few words about Black Lives Matter in a kind of PSA spot later on in this episode and how you can kind of help out if you'd like to. Quick note about that, too. I do just want to say this very simply. No matter where you stand on the political spectrum or how you feel about the Black Lives Matter organization, my point of running a PSA for them is this. I'm doing this completely without their permission. I'm throwing the information out there for them, for you to use if you'd like to. But what I wanted to say is, why do I do that? Because Black Lives Matter. Fuck, end of story. That's all there is to it. I don't care what political affiliation you are. That has to be something, if we're going to have any kind of common ground, that has to be accepted. And no, just because you say Black Lives Matter doesn't mean that all other lives don't matter. Pull your head out of your ass if that's what you think. If somebody says Black Lives Matter and you have to say all lives matter, you need to look in the fucking mirror real, real hard and think about what you're saying. The official position of Bob, of the I Want to Party with Bob, Bobcast, and that was a lot of Bobs, is Black Lives Matter. The end. Thank you. 
On to the music of the episode. Yes, there is always music in your favorite podcast that has a Bob in it, or the Bobcast, I should say. This episode was a little tricky. I asked Carolyn way before we talked, what kind of music do you like? I'll try and find something that fits along with your taste. You know, as I normally play, like DIY punk is pretty much my shtick, and I have deviated from that from time to time and started getting into a little metal and stuff like that. And like I said, you'll be hearing more of that for sure. But this was tricky because the type of music that Carolyn said she listened to and liked kind of through the course of her life was like, well, I don't really know any bands that I can approach to play that type of music, but I figured out something actually pretty good. I looked for Canadian horror punk bands. Yes. And holy shit. There is a whole bunch of Canadian horror punk bands, like a lot. And there's a lot of really fucking good Canadian horror punk bands, insanely good. I have two of the cream of the crop of those bands on this episode. The first band that you heard back at the very beginning of the episode is called The Creep Show. They're from Burlington, Ontario, Canada. The name of that song, by the way, is Death at My Door. Really, really great band. We're going to hear another Creep Show song at the very end of the episode. The band that's going to come up here in a little bit, they have two songs in this episode. One's coming up, like I said, in just a minute. The next one is kind of in the intermission part of the interview with Carolyn. That band is called Black Cat Attack. Holy shit. I love this band. This is the first time I've ever heard of them. You know how I found them? I just did a Google search like I was kind of alluding to earlier for Canadian horror punk. And there they were. Oh my God. They're they're insanely good. Super good. And it turns out that one of the singer guitarists in Black Cat Attack is in another really, really fucking good band called the Anti-Queens. The Black Cat Attack, Anti-Queens, The Creep Show. Check these bands out. I will put links up on this episode's page on my website to, with links to where you can listen to them, their Bandcamp sites, yada, yada. So yeah, I'm really happy about the music in this. It came out way better than I had hoped for, and I'm very excited about it. Yes, I am. Last thing, though, before we get to that song by Black Cat Attack and then the interview, it is time for the... This episode's beer is the Lazy Magic American Pale Ale by Plan 9 Ale House. It is a wonderful 6.7% alcohol by volume slice of heaven. Yes, let's uh, let's give it a try and see how it goes. Now, I've already had this beer. Uh, I'd be lying to say anything else, and I really, really like it. It's really smooth. I think it's great for a hot day. It's still hot as fuck in my studio garage where I'm sitting right now. That's a delicious beer. Refreshing and crisp beer. Did you know you can also enjoy the fine beers of Plan 9 Alehouse? Yes, you can. Plan 9 Alehouse is located at 155 East Grand Avenue in the downtown Escondido, California area. Stop by. You can have one of Plan 9's amazing beers. Grab some food. They are open for sidewalk dining as well as food and beer pickup and delivery. Give them a call for their days and hours of operation at 760-489-8817. Or you can visit Plan 9 Alehouse on the web at www.plan9alehouse.com. Beer to the people indeed. 
Well, let's get this one rolling. Here come a few words from Discount Cemetery, followed by the song Never Too Dead to Shred by Black Cat Attack. Then on to the interview with Carolyn and the rest of the episode. Please stay tuned. Let me tell you a little story. I was walking home late one night and decided to take a shortcut through the cemetery. Three young lads walked up to me and explained that they were scared to walk past the cemetery at night, so I agreed to let them walk along with me. I told them, I understand. I used to be scared to walk through the cemetery at night as well. When I was alive, that is. (laughs) But don't worry, you have nothing to fear when you walk through the Discount Cemetery website to find the perfect t-shirt, vintage jersey, crop t-shirt, sweatshirt, you name it, The finest vintage horror and spooky outerwear are to be found on the Discount Cemetery website. Simply drag your carcass to www.discountcemetery.com and start browsing for the creepy clothing of your dreams. As an added bonus to the already dreadful discounts you get on the clothing from Discount Cemetery, use promo code PARTYWITHBOB. At checkout for an additional 20% off of your order. That's right. Party with Bob. All one word. P-A-R-T-Y-W-I-T-H-B-O-B. At checkout for 20% off your order. Even an empty-headed skeleton has enough sense to make good on this deal. So don't delay. Join the skeleton crew today and order some creeptastic clothing from Discount Cemetery.
Welcome to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. My guest on this episode is Carolyn Morissette. Hello, Carolyn. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Bob. Thanks for asking me on the show. Absolutely. Let's get a little of your background. Where Where are you from? Where do you live these days? That kind of thing. Uh, well, I'm, I live in Toronto, uh, Canada. Yeah, and I've grown up here. I was actually, I was born in New York. My family lived in New York briefly. I was born there, but then I came to Canada when I was a little kid, like a toddler. So I'm I'm Canadian, but yeah, I've lived here all my life, and yeah, it's a great city. It's a little expensive, but <laughs> sure, sure, sure. It's a great city, yeah. like any yeah. like any yeah. big North American city. It's uh, yeah, everything's expensive no matter what. Yeah, so, at least if from the perspective of yeah. somebody that lives in the United States, I am jealous of the fact that you're Canadian <laughs> right now. So. Yeah, <laughs> like that. That's a that's a very yeah. that's a loaded statement in and of itself, and we didn't. Yeah. I'm sure we'll touch on politics, but uh, yeah, we don't want to get too bogged yeah. down. I guess. What age was it when you first started getting into kind of sci-fi and horror stuff? Probably like yeah, when I was a kid. Like we we my parents were pretty strict, so my sisters and I did a lot of reading. So we just read basically everything we could get our hands on. And I was re- really partial to like fantasy and sci-fi. And um, we have a channel here called uh, TV Ontario. And it's kind of like our public television channel. Oh, sure. And they used to play Doctor Who, episodes of Doctor Who. And I would watch that. Anything that had like a fantastic kind of background, I was all over it. Like. And, like, I remember watching on, we used to get the Buffalo channels. I would watch, like, Godzilla. Oh, yes. uh, All the Godzilla movies on Saturday afternoon. All the Saturday afternoon, uh, you know, monster movies. I was Ray Harryhausen, like, all over that stuff. Yeah. So we just grew up watching it. And, like, my mom used to tell us ghost stories and used to scare the crap out of us. (laughs) Oh, really? What? Why? Why would your mom tell you yeah. ghost stories? Just for entertainment kind of things, or things that she ran um, into in her life, or anything like that? Well, my mom was a really superstitious person. Like, um, cause my family comes from Trinidad, the West Indies, and so it's kind of like superstition is part and parcel with just your daily life, right? So, sure. she would always like tell us stories, but it's kind. It's kind of like a discipline as well. Like, if you don't behave, you know, the um, there's a something called the jablet. Uh, and it's it's a female devil basically, and it'll come after you. <laughs> so oh, like, yeah, tell like us all uh, kinds of ghost stories. Yeah. It's the uh, yeah. the the Mexican story La Llorona is like that too, yeah, right? Where it's like, like a uh, yeah. to keep yeah. your kids in line. You say, oh, if you're not careful, La Llorona's gonna come yes. for you. And okay, gotcha. <laughs> that's great. exactly yeah, that's exactly what it is. yeah. And actually, my mom named me after um, you know Dark Shadows. Oh yeah. There's a, oh, yes. a character called Carolyn. Yes. Yeah. Yes. My mom oh, named yes. me after that character. <laughs> so I was destined, right? Oh, absolutely. She had a crush on Barnabas, I think. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people in that that kind of generation did too. I mean, because you're I believe you're right around the same age as me and my my aunts and cousins that yeah. were older, you know, that were around my parents' age, they all loved the Dark Shadows show. And they same thing. It, yeah. It's that that dark attraction to Barnabas Collins, you know. So, oh, that's fantastic. Yes. What would you say was your first real favorite horror movie? Was there one, you know, not not really sci-fi or anything like that, but horror, something horror. What 
what was your first movie that maybe you've seen the most in your life or something like that? Uh, probably Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Really? Yeah, kind of a kicking it classic. Yeah, I, I love that movie. I think it's uh, because I had read the, the book. I'd seen it when I was like, I don't know, a kid. It was on TV and was really fascinated by just as a kid, just like, because we're, we were raised Catholic. And so the devil plays a big part in this discipline as well. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. So just seeing that this woman was going to have the devil's baby, that fascinated me. And then later on, I read the book. And I couldn't believe how closely the movie followed the book. So I was kind of obsessed with that film for a while. And then I, I started like my first film blogging site after named after Rosemary Sadie. So that's what I thought. Yeah, that's where I thought that came from. Yeah. So I was just obsessed with it. And then I used to have um, really long curly hair. And then I just kind of like a, an aside, but I used to have long curly hair and I started running and just having the long hair was too too much to look after. So I started to cut my hair incrementally. And finally, I wanted a pixie cut. And the only thing I wanted was Mia Farrow's haircut. That was I was obsessed with it. Oh, wow. So then my a friend, wow. of, yeah, a friend of mine started calling me Pixie. So then that went to Rosemary's Pixie. That's why. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Okay. So, that makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. An interesting thing i mean a, a parallel on my end too i was raised very religious like a protestant right and the devil was always okay if you're not good guess what's heck you're gonna go to hell when you die like no no yes so those rosemary's baby the exorcist the omen any of those movies scared the living shit out of me yeah. i could not i mean just could but there is that also attraction because you know that's like forbidden like bad bad stuff so those, those are the top three, yes, please. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> now, I was going to add my, my next question really was, would you say that first your first love in horror has stood the test of time? And I think I can almost answer that question is, that movie still, would you say it's a great movie still? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. A great movie. And then as I started to write, like, about film, you kind of, you know, you dissect it, you look at everything that's happening you start you know talking about feminism you start talking about like even folklore so it just has so much in it and then i mean i know it's it's somewhat problematic because of the director and right you know he's obviously right. a huge issue so you know i do respect that like i don't i don't um, glorify him but the art is you know, you can't deny that it's a, a great film. Yeah. True. Yeah, that's that's a tricky thing. I mean, like, how do you feel about it? Because I struggle with kind of the same thing with H.P. Lovecraft, who's mm -hmm. a, a huge favorite of mine, oh. one of my favorite authors. But there are aspects of his writing, you know, there's always the argument, well, he was a product of his times. But he says some just straight mm -hmm. racist garbage stuff in his writings <laughs> where you're reading and, and it's like oh god like no why did you you didn't need yeah. to throw that in there you could have left that out and it would have yeah. been fine you know but how do you yeah, oh how, exactly, do you, how right. do you are you able to actually kind of separate the art from the artist in that case yeah i i actually i i can do that because i think the the book itself is a great book and as far as I know, Ira Levine wasn't, you know, a creep or a pedophile or anything. Right. So he, you know, he wasn't like that. 
so I think knowing the source material, it, it, it and I just know that um, basically Roman Polanski followed the book to a T. So he was just basically the conduit. And sure. that's how I'm kind of forming it in my brain is that he's the conduit for Ira Levine's story, how I can kind of get around it. But like I ended up changing the name of my, I changed my blog and everything because it just didn't sit right with me. Like I didn't want to kind of, I, I don't know how to say it, but I just didn't want to like stay with that because of Polanski, you know, sure. like I just, it didn't, it, didn't it just right didn't, it me. just didn't feel yeah. right. It didn't, it didn't feel like the right thing to do no. in some ways. I got you. Okay. That's yeah. yeah I can definitely yeah. respect that. And yeah. in the case of this, like you said, it's in the case of Rosemary's baby, it's definitely more that Polanski was just a conduit versus a situation of yeah. say like Lovecraft where he's the conduit, he's yeah. everything. And that might be where yeah. I, I have a hard time separating his work from his viewpoints, you know? And it, I yeah. mean, I, I have a hard time also justifying any kind of, well, it's like the a boys will be boys kind of uh, write off of that situation. Yeah. And it's just not, it just doesn't sit well with me kind of thing, but this isn't about me. I keep talking Absolutely. about me. I'm sorry. I'm talking. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Let's talk about me for an I hour. I feel like so. we're really similar. Well, that's great. That's great. So what, what about nowadays? What would you say is your favorite movie from the horror genre right now? like a current favorite, do you kind of do that where you have like a current favorite and it kind of changes and fluctuates as maybe new movies come in and then you revisit one, you go, Oh, wait a minute. No, no, yeah. that's, that's my favorite again. Kind of thing. I do. I have room for a lot of favorites because it's so funny on Twitter. I'm like, Oh my God, this is my favorite movie. Then like a week later, this is my favorite movie. You know? So I feel <laughs> right. like I'm so fickle, but there's plenty of room for the love. Um, I, I think I'm prepping for, uh, a lecture at the on Friday about Afrofuturism and just going through all the films that I'm including. I have to say, my heart goes with Us, uh, Jordan Peele's Us. Oh yes, I think that's one of my favorite because there's so much. It's such a layered film. It is, and like there's so much academic writing, and then just film critics and people writing about it, and it's so important that we have like a dark skinned black family because um, a lot of the times, you know, the old, you have to be lighter than a brown paper bag kind of thing from the old Hollywood kind of thing sure. where black people have to be, uh, I guess, appeasing to the white majority. This, it's really important that he did that, that he had Lupito Nyong'o uh, as the main character. Uh, I believe her name was Adelaide. I think it was. Yeah. Um, as the main character. So, to me, that's a really important thing. Also, it's just, just so many layers to it. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you like something that's kind of ridiculous and you're like, okay, that's fun. And even like, I have to throw in Hereditary too. I really enjoyed that film um, because it pulls from Rosemary's Baby, that kind of old school, you know, oh, my neighbor's really nice, but they're not. They're worshiping the devil. Oh, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, that lady you, you just know? met in the parking lot of the craft store does not have your best interest in her heart. So, yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, I don't know if you, how you, because you grew up religious, but uh, as well, but my mother was very suspicious of people. She was just always like, because she had three girls and she was very protective of us. She's like, you're not sleeping over. 
on, at somebody's house unless I meet their parents or, sure, you know, that sure. sort of thing. It's kind of a, not, it's kind of, um, I don't know if you would say a thrill, but just to revisit that feeling of suspicion, it's weirdly nostalgic for me. Sure. Oh, that, it makes sense. It's nostalgic. Yeah. Absolutely makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, kind of forbidden, forbidden yeah. fruit in a way too. Like, oh, mom knew I was watching this. Oh, I'd be in so much trouble, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Those are both movies, undeniably the best horror movies that I've seen in the last like two or three years. Hereditary, yeah, scares the pants off of me. Just when she's moving the little figurines around in her little houses, it's like, oh, God, like, what's going to happen now? No, I don't know, but it's not good. Whatever yeah. it is. Just that sense of dread throughout the whole movie. And yeah, even us has, what what's going on? Like, who, wait, oh. And there's, I got, got like, kind of a feeling of dread from that movie, too. And I like that because you're just on the edge of your seat the whole time. Like, oh, what's going to happen? What, who's this? What's going on? I think he captures, I think uh, Jordan Peele captures in us. So I'm a homebody. I like to be home a lot. And I think he captures that your your castle being invaded by something that you can't control. That terrifies me a lot. That also, now I'm off on a tangent. Oh, and I got another movie. Um, <laughs> that, you know, Mother by um, Darren Aronofsky. Darren yes. Aron- Aronofsky. Yes. That has this same terror for me because it's like people are invading her house and she's trying and like for me my house is like my little sanctuary you know sure so anything coming in is like real terror for me so i think that's why i us really got to me as well yeah sure let's talk a little bit about some of the various things that you're involved in the blood in the snow festival what what is your role with the blood in the snow festival you you're a programmer and you do yes, more than yes. that. A programmer is a pretty big word in that, in a sense where you have more <laughs> than just one job, right? In in that sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, the main duty of that job is to vet all the films that we have submitted. And then um, there's uh, five of us. So we all vet the films. We're actually in the process now of kind of going through our list. And then we pick, obviously, the films we're going we're gonna to program for the festival. And it's, it's it's really cool because uh, we'll kind of do it on our own and then we have, we make our notes and then when we come together, it's like, well, I thought that too. And it's it's really, it's kind of a cool oh. collaborative feeling. And like, you know, I've gotten to know my fellow programmers uh, so well, like we're, we're friends and they're just a great bunch of people. So yeah, so programming. And then I also help with uh, ticketing. I'm also on the board of directors as well. So uh, a bit of decision making and just you know housekeeping for the fest. Kind of all around, kind of just helping the whole thing put it together, help yeah. it run good. And what what are some yeah. of your your criteria for picking movies for the Blood in the Snow Festival? Uh, well, we specifically uh, target Canadian genre films. So as long as there's a Canadian connection, production is done here. There's cast that come from Canada, the directors from Canada. And it can be thriller, sci-fi, um, straight-up horror. Um, we actually have a, a really good uh, a stream of, of horror comedies. So we've actually, oh. um, last year we did like kind of, we program like Funny Frights, Emerging Screen. So just like if you're an emerging filmmaker or student filmmaker, 
we have kind of like a selection for that. So we kind of program different slots. So, because we get a lot of variety. Like we had, there was a film called Puppet Killer last year. I don't know if you've seen that. It's so, oh my God, hilarious and absurd. And um, the director, her name is Lisa Obies. And it, it was just, you know, I started when we were vetting films, we started watching them like, what on earth is this? And then by the end of it, you're just laughing. So that is like, we, we do like our horror comedies at, um, at Blood in the Snow. Oh, gotcha. Cool. <laughs> we love them. <laughs> That's great. What, how do you feel about the Evil Dead series of films? Are you fans of, of those movies? Yeah, I really like them. And actually that one movie, the, the very first Evil Dead movie still gives me the willies when, oh my God, I forget her name. She's coming up from the, the basement. The basement. Yeah. 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 The, yes. That. Oh my god, that gives me the creep. I still, I love, I love those movies. They're fun. Yeah, they're, they're fun because they they have that. I just asked because of the kind of the comedy connection. Mm-hmm. One more cabin in the woods, even though that's got definitely some yeah. some comedy mixed in with also probably the mm-hmm. best <laughs> the best explanation of why horror movies exist at all in some ways too. So. <laughs> Did you watch the Evil Dead uh, TV series? No, the Ash versus Evil Dead. No, no, I haven't. Yeah, oh, it's so good. It's actually really good, and it's actually quite—it's really gory. I was kind of grossed out. <laughs> yeah, not times, a big, but, not a big gore yeah, fan. Fun. I'm not a huge, huge gore fan. You know, it's okay. like if it's there, oh, okay. But there's an extent when it gets a little too yeah. ridiculous. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, I no, that's okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, how how often does Blood in the Snow happen? Is it an annual film festival kind of thing? Yeah, it's an annual film festival. So we normally have it in November, and we have it at um, the Royal Cinema, which is like a historic cinema in Toronto. It's in a great neighborhood. It's in the little Italy neighborhood. Beautiful cinema. They do a lot of sound mixing there for big films like The, the Witch. Apparently, they did the sound mixing there. They oh, have wow. like a state-of-the-art yeah, it's a great cinema, and then they have great programming there. Like, for instance, they played Xanadu, which is one of my favorite childhood films. Sure. I, side note, I love Olivia Newton-John. I'm sorry, I know this is a, a punk. That's okay. <laughs> I just did. I just did a whole episode about Scream and Jay Hawkins, so I'm all over the place. Okay, and perfect. it's great. Okay, so yeah. yeah. So I loved her, and so we went to see Xanadu at the Royal. And my boyfriend's sitting next to me, and I'm in tears <laughs> because of Xanadu. And I'm singing, and he goes, do I need to drop a net on you? <laughs> like, are you losing your mind? But yeah, so they do that for the programming. Because obviously of the pandemic, we're going online this year. Ah, sure. So it's going to be on a super channel, a streaming service here in Canada. So it's going to be great. Is it going to be available in the United States as well? I, you know what? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think it's just going to be Canada. Unfortunately, it is a super channel October 28th to November the 7th. Okay. That's so that's a good solid nine days. I mean, are are you doing, are are things going on kind of every night throughout those days? Yeah. So we'll be screening like some films. I'm not sure of the schedule yet, but yeah, we'll, there'll be like um, film screening every night and then we'll have the shorts program. So we're still working out that schedule but yeah one thing i did i noticed about on the website for blood in the snow on the about page 
one of the things that it said about the films that you show is that you like to show films that challenge social boundaries. It, can you elaborate yeah. on that a little bit for me? If, for instance, uh, what was the name of that film? I think it was called Kidnap Capital. And that was kind of outside of uh, a typical horror film. And it was about trafficking and like human trafficking. And like, I believe the, it was about like Mexican laborers that were being held. That kind of brought that up. I don't think people really were talking about it. So in, in that way, we were bringing films that talked about social issues. We, we usually play films that bring up some kind of social issues. So, yeah, we just bring up films that, that kind of challenge what you're thinking, like or how people think about horror. Sure, ch- kind of challenge the, no- the norm in some ways. The norm, yeah. So we have a lot of LGBTQ content. And we, we, we often try to carry a, a lot of uh, BIPOC content, um, but we just want, I think we have to get the word out more that there is, there's, we want these people of color to make genre films. I think people kind of assume that it's not like their films aren't going to be considered, but we want these films. So, yeah. To, to kind of one, I answer that well, I don't. Think oh, I you did. did? No, no, you yeah. absolutely did. You absolutely did. Yeah, that was kind of my question. Was yeah, is part of what Blood in the Snow does kind of help amplify voices from the BIPOC community and the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. that kind of thing? Because that's how it kind of seemed to me yeah. is that that was something that you were yeah. look, looking to promote. Okay, great. That's fantastic because yeah. it is something. I mean, and we'll talk about that in a little bit more, but that is something the horror genre traditionally lacks involvement by, you know, people who are not white I, to say it any other way. You know, there's not a lot of yeah. a, a BIPOC participation, although that is changing. And yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit mm-hmm. more in a little bit. Four years ago, what is now known as the Black Lives Matter Global Network began to organize. It started out as a chapter-based, member-led organization whose mission was to build local power and to intervene when violence was inflicted on black communities by the state and vigilantes. In the years since, we've committed to struggling together and to imagining and creating a world free of anti-blackness where every black person has a social, economic, and political power to thrive. Black Lives Matter began as a call to action in response to state-sanctioned violence and anti-black racism. Our intention from the very beginning was to connect black people from all over the world who have a shared desire for justice to act together in their communities. The impetuous for that commitment was, and still is, the rampant and deliberate violence inflicted on us by the state. You can read more about Black Lives Matter by visiting www.blacklivesmatter.com. The Black Lives Matter website has a wealth of information and tools in the fight against racism. Also, please consider donating to Black Lives Matter on that same website. Simply click on the donate button on the top right of your screen. Black Lives Matter would appreciate your support of the movement and their ongoing fight to end state-sanctioned violence, liberate black people, and end white supremacy forever.
starting with Rosemary's Pixie to now you're doing mm-hmm. View from the Dark. You do a lot of writing, yeah. it appears. What I wanted to ask you about kind of your history of film review from when you started till now, mm-hmm. you're you're an accredited mm-hmm. reviewer for Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. You do writing for Rue Morgue magazine, a ton of different outlets. Mm-hmm. And your focus is covering mm-hmm. things that you really love and it also talking about those things from your perspective, the perspective of a black woman mm-hmm. on ish, you know, talking mm-hmm. about things that maybe traditionally hasn't had that type of perspective. So how, mm-hmm. what, how did you get your start writing? What was your, did you have a goal? Like, you know, Hey, I want to do, I want to write a blog or I want to be a reviewer. What, what was kind of your motivation mm-hmm. for starting to write? Well, I, I've always written, like, I've, I've always been, like, I'm not, in school, I wasn't a math kid. I was, uh, you know, because I read a lot, and I wanted to write my own stories, and, and that sort of thing. So I've always written. And then I went to university and was traumatized <laughs> by an awful professor. And so I stopped writing because he told me that my writing was terrible, wow. and he just really threw a wrench in my plans. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like this, what, 20, 21, 22 year old, you know, young woman at school. And if this professor who's been doing this for, you know, 300 years is telling me I'm garbage, maybe he's right, right? So it just threw, it just took the wind out of myself. I would write here and there. And then I kind of, I, I veered off into a diff- different job. So I, be, I was a makeup artist for like 15 years. And I did independent films here and there. I saw that. I saw that when I was Googling you, one came up. There isn't anything she hasn't done. You know? was like, <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's my one credit. And it's so funny because I won't say his name, but there's an actor here in Toronto and he was in this film. And it was a very, very, very independent film. It played at TIFF. I think it played at TIFF that year for like an emerging filmmaker. It was such, it was a very strange film, and the director has since gone on to do really great things. But there was a particular actor who was super nice on set, but I think he just didn't want to acknowledge the film. And so I would see him like maybe a year or two after we did the film, I would see him on the subway, or whatever. <laughs> he was like, go the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> like she knows, <laughs> she knows I was in this movie. Like I, I can't, yeah. she can't, nobody can know <laughs> <Exactly>. that. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny, but yeah, I don't know. I thought it was, it was a strange film, but it was really cool. Anyway, whatever, but I digress. Yeah. So, yeah, I was a makeup artist for about 15 years. I, I started working at a counter just because it was more steady. And then I got disillusioned with that. And then uh, my writing came out of just, I had to take some time off of work. My father had passed away and it was a really stressful time. So I started writing again. I'm like, oh, I'll start a blog. I like writing about movies. So then I started doing that. And then it just grew from there. So, yeah, I started covering, like, local film festivals just for my blog and, like, did random things. That's yeah. how Blood in the Snow found out about me because uh, Kelly uh, Michael Stewart, the he's the director of uh, Blood in the Snow, he came across my reviews for the festival, and then we got to know each other from there. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Great. What is View from the Dark all about? What is, can, if you want to tell the listeners what that's all about. It's my more mature <laughs> contribution now. Like, 
because I, I started Rosemary's Pixie just as kind of like a whim and just like post things and just try blogging and it was a little it's a little silly and then I started to get more critical about my writing and I thought well it doesn't what I'm doing now doesn't quite fit that um, website so I decided to move it over to View from the Dark and yeah I just think that there's not enough there's a lot of black female critics but I don't think we get a lot of like uh, what's the word we're not I think our opinion isn't respected a lot Mm, you know sure so it's kind of hard to break in especially if you're a black woman I feel writing on film because I notice I like a lot of films that people hate and I like a lot of films that have been panned uh for instance I was just watching just vetting some films and there's a film called Captive State and it's like an alien invasion film but people totally trashed it because I think they were expecting an action film. And it actually stars Jonathan Majors, who's in Lovecraft Country. Oh, okay. So he's in this, and it's basically like aliens come to Earth, and uh, basically the U.S. government kind of gets in the cahoots with these aliens because they figure, well, we might as well get in good. And then this is like this rebel faction. So... It's kind of like a political alien thriller and people panned it and they were saying like the story wasn't that great. So I haven't written about it yet, but I've been kind of percolating and I've been making notes on it. And and that's fine if you don't like the film, but I thought that some of the panning was unnecessary. And and that's I'm I'm coming from a different point of view because the rebels are mostly people of color and it's I think it's kind of important that you have that aspect in the film. So that's where I'm coming from. I always look for like just a slightly different angle. Hmm. And it may not be the right assessment, but it's my assessment. And I feel like maybe it should be heard, you know? (laughs) Sure, sure. And in that case, I mean, they're really, when you're being a critic of a film or anything like that, there isn't necessarily any kind of right assessment. It's all opinion Mm -hmm. and, you know, et et cetera. Tell me a little bit about... Your podcast, what is your podcast Really Melanated all about? Ashley Blackwell, who uh, is the founder of GraveyardShiftSisters.com, and she's one of the producers and writers of Horror Noir. Uh, we are friends, and <laughs> we would message each other about films, and like we would get on Skype because and, and just talk, and, and I'm like, we had a really good discussion about a film one time, and I'm like, should we record this? And she's like, maybe. <laughs> so might be I'm like, okay, I'll look there. into that. Sure. Yeah. And it was a lot easier than I thought it would be. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to do this and do that. And I'm going to have to like, you know, get a, a satellite dish. And I'm like, no, I don't have to do any of that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so then we recorded it and she's like, well, I don't like, she's not, I'm not that tech savvy. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll give it a shot at like editing it. So yeah, we just kind of gave it a shot and now we really enjoy it. And we want to talk about, again, films that we love and that have black characters in it and, and, and really cool representation, you know? Excellent. Okay. Great. I don't think people are talking about it enough. Well, great. Available on iTunes and all that good stuff. Spotify, kind of all the usual podcast places. Yeah. Great. Okay. We're just starting. So not on Spotify yet. I think we need one more episode. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> to be included on Spotify, but we're on iTunes for sure. And Podbean. How many uh, episodes are you up to? 
Uh, we just published our fourth one. Your fourth? So, oh, great. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. Yeah, yeah. So it's fresh. <laughs> All right. I'm going to check it out. Good. I'm always looking for good podcast recommendations for sure. One question I wanted to ask about your writing, kind of going back to that, mm-hmm. blowback from your writing, people saying things. I noticed something I was reading about you online, and I unfortunately, I didn't write down exactly what it was from. You had mm-hmm. mentioned something about someone accusing you or, or say, questioning, why are you making this about race? But it was like an accusation oh. against you saying, like, you don't have to make this about race. Why are you making this about race? Oh, well, it's, it's from my um, about page. And I'm just like, you know, in case you're wondering, like, it was just kind of like a, a, a statement. Like, so a lot of people I'm reading online, they're like, you know, why does this have to be about race? Why does it have? So nobody, luckily, no one's accused me. I turned off my comments because I, I just, sure, <laughs> I don't do not want to sure, hear it. I sure. don't want to hear it. I, I just noticed, like reading online, because Twitter is is a cesspool. I don't know if you noticed. Oh yes, oh <laughs> and yes. So many trolls and people. People often say, "Well, why is this? Why are you making horror political? Why is this about race?" And it's like everything, unfortunately. Or fortunately, is political, and it's, especially if you're a person of color and you don't see yourself represented in the majority of things like films, even rom coms, adventure films, horror films, sci fi. It's frustrating, and you you know you like we have to speak up about it. So sure. I just. You know, if someone questions me about like, well, why are you making this about race? Well, because it is. I need to be represented. I'm, I'm taking up space on this planet as well. And you know, the there's a lot of people of color on this planet, right. <laughs> so we need to be represented. And yeah. having that representation is a long way goes a long way towards fighting racism and making the world a place where everybody can get along that much better too. So it's, I mean, it's really a win-win situation. Exactly. I mean, how, you know, growing up, realistically, we both grew up in like the 1970s, right? It, as little kids mm-hmm. into the 80s as teenagers, there was very little representation by people of color in anything back in the 70s. It was always a white man or, well, okay, you had the $6 million woman who you can get biblical with that and mm-hmm. say, well, she might as well have been like, you know, the $6 million man's eighth rib or whatever. Like it was more of like an aside. Well, yeah. here, here we'll, we'll throw the feminists this bone, you know, here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This show's not very good. Watch the other one, but well, here it is for you. Anyways, that's kind of what we grew up with in yeah. a lot of ways. And I, I completely get your point is I make it about a race because it's something I'd like to see represented because like, I guess my whole point really is, is back then in the 70s and 80s, role models in in movies, on TV, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. There may not have been, you know, not nearly as many as there is today and still not even as much as it should be happening. Is that Would you kind of agree with that, that sentiment? Yeah, for sure. Because when I was immersed in like horror and sci-fi and that sort of thing, never really saw myself until, I have to say the Omega Man is, is kind of a, benchmark for me because Rosalind Cash is in that and 
she's this gorgeous black woman. And I was like, wow. I remember, I still remember, like, wow, there's a black woman in this movie, you know? And just seeing her, I mean, because I, I did a, a lecture on that uh, in February before the lockdown for the Black Museum, uh, which is like the lecture series here in Toronto. And I just talked about how, you know, it was so exciting for me to see myself represented, you know, to see a black woman. Sure. So the, I think the issue is there's a lot of people of color writing scripts and people of color trying to get their films made. I think the roadblock is still the industry. They've seen Black Panther make money. They've seen Jordan Peele make money. So that they can't use that excuse anymore. Right. So now they just, I think they just have to regroup and, and, rework how they think about representation for instance like oh what's that film oh yeah sorry girl with all the gifts that's oh, a, yes, a, yes. A, the character in the book was a, a white girl and then they put a black girl in the film so that's huge and that's kind of right. something that you want to see happen you want to see like well let's just audition everyone you know sure one thing i would ask you about too the Encyclopedia of Racism in American Films, speaking about that, about casting and, and different types of things with films and filmmakers not having an excuse to say, well, look, Black Panther was successful. Get Out, Us, both hugely successful films. Hmm. Tell me a little bit about your involvement with the Encyclopedia of Racism in American Films. So a friend of mine had sent me an email. I guess it was like, I can't remember where she found it, but someone was calling for uh, writers for an encyclopedia of Japanese horror films. And I had just gone and got a whole bunch of a stack of uh, Japanese horror films because uh, I was interested in cyberpunk and I wasn't really, I wasn't familiar with it. So I emailed him and he took me on to write for that encyclopedia. And there was one film, I think it was called Frankenstein Girl versus Vampire Girl, I think. And I just thought that it was... Uh, there was some imagery in it that was kind of racist <laughs> and I couldn't write about that film without writing about that imagery. So I, I emailed him. I said, you know, I can't, I just want to let you know, this is, I really want to write about this. He's like, go ahead. Hmm. So I did. And then that's when I started to really get interested in um, like race and film, just from doing all the research and, you know, learning so much. I wrote about Mississippi Masala. I don't know if you've ever seen that film. No, no. It's an early Denzel Washington film. And basically he falls in love with the South, South Asian woman. And it's how the two families, a South Asian family and a black family and how they react to, you know, being minorities, but having different experiences in America. Sure. So, that I wrote about um, Zebrahead, you know, the Michael Rappaport movie. I don't know if you know that one. No, I don't. It's like an early, is it an early 90s? I think it's an early 90s film. And he basically, it's a, basically an interracial relationship. So that, and that one really taught me a lot because it takes place in Detroit. And just the huge difference of living as a white person in the suburbs and living as a black person in you know the inner city quote-unquote of Detroit and that really I learned a lot researching for that film alone and then just writing about different stars because he wanted to have some bios in there 
it was just such a learning experience for me and that really lit the flame under me for writing about representation. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, great. What do you see as far as more inclusiveness in horror in the future? Do you think that film-wise we're kind of heading in the right direction that we are will see more inclusiveness by BIPOC, any kind of situation where you have more marginalized, traditionally marginalized people involved in directing and acting and starring in, in feature films. Is that something you see more of as, as time goes by? I think it's starting to happen. I think it needs to, I think the momentum needs to keep going. You know, Nia DaCosta is doing the new Candyman, so that's really exciting. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's really exciting. And then just seeing um, Misha Green, the the writer. Lovecraft Country, yes. is He's white. And um, he did a way through the book, but he did a really great job writing the book. And it's it just, it's, I'm really happy that it's a black woman that's writing the script for the show, you know? And it's such a gorgeous show. I hope you get a chance to watch yeah, um, me too. that series. Everybody's Beautiful. talking about it right yeah. now in good ways too. So yeah. yeah, it's gorgeous. And, you know, I would just like to see people of color, like scriptwriters, creators, just get more access. I think there's a lot of, still there's a lot of, there's a lot of exclusion in terms of meeting the right people, talking to the right people. And obviously now with this pandemic, it's really difficult to sure. kind of make connections. That might even have made so things harder I don't in know. this case, you know, so. Yeah. But I think this is where you're going to see a lot of DIY because people are, they're not going to get the deals readily. So maybe they, you know, buy themselves a, a little camera outfit and try, you know, make either, like, I mean, did you see that horror film host, which was uh, all on Zoom? It's on uh, Shudder, if you get Shudder. Oh, Shudder, okay, gotcha. Uh, that's gotcha. a horror streaming service. Yeah, they did a whole movie on Zoom. Wow. <laughs> and it's, it's Talk about a timely. Simple concept that's pretty and timely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a core routine movie and it's pretty it's pretty um entertaining like my sister my sister loves paranormal stuff so we watched together she goes oh my god that was so much fun you know wow okay that's that's right up my alley because the paranormal side is definitely falls into some of my favorite categories for sure i listened to your podcast when you went to that hotel (laughs) that was great oh which one was that the hotel Oh my gosh! What was the band? They did the Misfits covers with Breakfast Food. Um, oh my gosh! Oh, when we yes, Flash, it was Ash Williams. Uh, the 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 guys that yes, were named after yes, the uh, yes, the Evil yes, Dead movies. Yes, yes. that yes. was <laughs> the only time on any kind of like ghost, you know, paranormal investigation ish kind of thing like that where I ran into pretty much anything because it was a yes. ghost cat in the room, and we watched the hair on his arm raised all the way up, just one arm. And it was where the, the, the supposedly this cat was rubbing oh. on his arm. It was, it was pretty interesting. So, well, great. I'm glad you, that was a good one to listen That's to. That's so creepy. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. That was really good. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Oh, thank you. Great. Great. So I think what, what, one thing you said was that maybe things are getting a little bit better as far as inclusiveness goes, but there's still not quite as much opportunity for, you know, people of color, black people, indigenous people to get 
that door mm-hmm. open to get in to make the films that would be so great to see because we get that other the mm-hmm. point of view that we don't always see as well. Yeah, and I was like completely I was so happy to see this. Um that actor um Adam Beach, he's an indigenous actor and I think he was on one of those police procedural shows like oh I can't I don't want to say what it is. I can't I don't think it was SVU. Can't remember what show, but he's a pretty popular actor and he opened his own film institute for indigenous filmmakers oh wonderful yeah and i think that's kind of the future is that like Issa ray is producing things like she just keeps going you know i think she's doing something with jordan peele and like she's just a force you know starting from a web series on youtube to you know her shows so i think it's definitely going to get diy and then when people get a wind of how popular your work is, that's when you're going to get it. So unfortunately, you may not get the support right away. But just I, I just encourage like people of color to just keep creating, keep going, keep know? hammering at it, keep keep, keep at hammering it, keep at it. it. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Anything you have coming up you'd like to mention? I know Blood in the Snow uh, will be a virtual festival coming yes. up in late October, early November. Uh, is there anything yeah, else? Yeah, blood, blood in the Snow. And um, I'm going to keep plugging away at my uh, Afrofuturism series on my website. So I'll be doing that. Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, I mean, what else can we do during the pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of writing, a lot of talking, a lot of research. Yeah. I mean, at least, yeah. at least there's that, you know, that's something yeah. we'll make something positive come out of it. I that's the yeah exactly for yeah. people like you and a lot of people like you that I've talked to. We just keep going, yeah. you know, and it, it, I think we're making great strides towards making the world a little bit of a better place through arts and through yeah. what we do, you know. So yeah, it's good to end on a positive note instead of the negative. Yeah, exactly. Slogging <laughs> through this whole time, but this was a highlight. It was nice to talk to somebody and like make a connection you know sure, like it's so yeah, awful sure. you can't visit your friends you I can't know. do anything I yeah know. i know well at least it's yeah so it's crazy. good that we can do stuff like this meet somebody yeah talk to somebody that's loves and appreciates the same things you do that's you know 3200 yeah. miles away from you or whatever so i appreciate it i really appreciate yeah. you talking to me that was fantastic definitely oh no you are so too. awesome <laughs> <laughs> Well, great, Carolyn. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. I really, I'm stoked that I had you on the show. The fantastic stuff that we talked about, yes. for sure. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it, folks. The Carolyn Morissette episode. I absolutely loved talking to Carolyn. She was so easy to talk to and has absolutely great taste in movies and books and all things horror, sci-fi, and fantasy. Uh, In other words, she likes the same things that I do. So, yeah, (laughs) great minds truly do think alike, right? Yes, indeed. I do have to say this. I am very grateful to Carolyn for giving me the opportunity for you, the listener, to get her perspective on a few things and learn a little bit about her. I'd highly recommend you check out Carolyn's website, which features quite a bit of Carolyn's writing and film reviews. That website is www.viewfromthedark.ca. Yes, it is a Canadian website, so it ends in .ca. Also, check out Carolyn's podcast, Really Melanated, which you can find on Apple Podcasts for sure. I did. 
Check with your favorite podcast listening app or whatever and see if Really Melanated is on it. If not, you definitely can listen to the Really Melanated podcast via their website at www.really, that's R-E-E-L-Y, melanated, M-E-L-A-N-A-T-E-D, dot podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, dot com. Check the About section on the View from the Dark website for more of Carolyn's work. And also note, I'll have links up on the Bobcast website for this episode to many of Carolyn's various ventures. So again, thank you so very much, Carolyn, for being a guest on this episode of the Bobcast. I truly do appreciate it. And that brings us to the end of Atrocious August. I really hope you liked the content during Atrocious August. It was a pretty fucking atrocious August, wasn't it? This last week has been fucking horrific for news. I don't want to even talk about it right now. My next episode is going to be all about Labor Day. It's like a Labor Day special. That is a holiday in the United States. I don't think Canada celebrates Labor Day like we do. Not that we celebrate anything that has anything to do with labor in this fucking godforsaken country. Anyways, uh, yes, there will be more content like this, like Atrocious August, coming up in, of course, October. It's Halloween all month. It's really, it's kind of Halloween all year on the Bobcast, but... It is going to be Halloween all month, very celebratory in a world that leaves little to celebrate at this time. We're going to have part two in the ghost story series, which is ghost stories from people and their paranormal experiences. So that's going to be great. Another horror trivia episode, a lot more. And you definitely are going to get another Halloween special this year where maybe I'll delve into some other aspects other than the history of the holiday that is Halloween and look at a few other things. So we'll see. I do have a few aces up my sleeve for the month of October. What did I call it last time? Oh yeah. Uh, Bob Tober. Yes. Bob Tober on the Bobcast will be an absolutely wonderfully horrible experience for sure. A big thanks to the sponsors of this episode of the Bobcast plan nine alehouse as always with the beer of the episode and discount cemetery, where by the way, you can get 20% off of your order by using the code party with Bob at checkout 20% off your entire order. Just go to www.discountcemetery.com. Check out all the creeptastic clothings from your nightmares. <laughs> Wait, I'm trying to do an evil laugh. Uh, was that a good creepy evil laugh? Okay, good. Yeah, good enough. A huge, huge thanks to the bands of this episode, the creep show and black cat attack both from Ontario, Canada, both fucking absolutely incredible bands. Thank you so much for letting me play your songs in this episode. I really do appreciate it. Last, but definitely not least, thank you for listening. I always appreciate you. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Here's The Creep Show with the song A-O-T-B-H to wrap things up. Enjoy. You didn't want to be